0: In this episode of So Dramatic, my guest is humanities professor Meg Murphy. Meg and I talk about controversial photographer Robert Mapplethorpe. We imagine what it would have been like to live at the Chelsea, reminisce about our stays in European hostels, and discuss why it's so important to expose ourselves to things that make us uncomfortable. Welcome to this episode of So Dramatic, my guest. This episode is Meg Murphy. Hello, Meg. Hi, Beach. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you're here. So I always start my episodes, again, the thousands I've done, uh, asking my guest if you thought at all about who you think I might be talking to about, if you had any guess or were thinking about it at all.
1: I thought a little bit Okay. So I was quite curious. Okay. Mm-hmm. Were anything
0: cross your mind? contemporary photographers okay so you and I both teach same classes humanities classes so we've had many discussions about art literature et cetera, all that kind of stuff so we um you were probably one of my easier guests because I'm like whoever I talk about Meg's gonna you'll be all over it right hopefully (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out but yeah okay so Meg Murphy I feel like Meg Murphy this is your life Meg Murphy I chose for the person for us to discuss today, Robert Mapplethorpe.
1: Oh, I was somewhere in the zone. Okay. Okay. So contemporary mm-hmm. photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were mm-hmm. right
0: there. Right. Do you know anything about Robert Mapplethorpe? Are you familiar with his work? I
1: have a few words that come to my mind. Okay. Um, erotic. Uh-huh. Censored. Uh-huh. Um, uh, controversial. Okay.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um.
1: Awesome, <laughs> <laughs> impactful. Okay. <laughs> Red and, and gray and white. Um, I I'm just some I'm picturing images. Okay.
0: Okay. And I have a few I'll show you. You know, the hard thing about a podcast is I can't really show everybody what. Um, what we have but I think it's important for you to see to okay, remember. cool. I'll keep, I'll keep it. You know. <laughs> There's a lot I didn't want to put on my phone because I thought if someone finds my phone I'm screwed. <laughs> um, so what's important about Robert Mapplethorpe uh, that he basically convinced art dealers that photography could be as collectible as paintings and sculpture. So okay. prior to that that wasn't really um, people didn't really think it was as high of an art mm-hmm. as painting and sculptures. Mm-hmm. Definitely glorified the New York gay scene. Mm-hmm. No subject mm-hmm. was off limits. And he was an American photographer known for his sensitive yet blunt treatment of controversial subject matter in the large scale, highly stylized black and white medium photography. So his work featured an array of subjects including celebrity portraits, male and female nudes, self-portraits, and still life images of flowers, um yeah mostly controversial his most controversial work is that of the bdsm culture subculture right in the late 60s and early 70s of new york Mm -hmm. and the homoeroticism of this work fueled a national debate over public funding of controversial artwork so we will take a look at that and talk about that as well so robert Mm maplethorpe was born november 4th 1946 in floral park queens and of his childhood he said i came from suburban america it was a very safe environment and it was a good place to come from and that it was a good place to leave <laughs> <laughs> Boom, boom. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he was like i'm out of here uh-huh, this right. is great no, um like he was one pad. of six children okay. uh, a really normal suburban upbringing roman catholic family always went to mass his father was actually interested in photography um, but none of his kids seemed to be into it when they were growing up. they really had no interest in it at all. Mm-hmm. so, in high school, he was pretty much a loner. he was always drawing, knew he wanted to be an artist when he grew up and really smart, and he graduated school when he was sixteen. Wow, yeah, okay there's a few people who I've talked about who that's that's kind of been the case that's you know interesting what mm-hmm. think about what that does. Think about leaving school mm-hmm. when you're sixteen to go to college right well
1: it it Get you a head start on things, but at a t- but are you ready? At a time when you're not yeah. um having the same life experiences as your peers, right?
0: Or yeah, the- I think there's a big difference between a 16 year old and 18 year old, as we both know, in terms of maturity. <laughs>
1: yeah, but world experiences, yeah, and confidence. But it's also interesting, like the kind of the mark of a genius. You're right. It might be someone right who there's- is
0: so advanced, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Precocious that uh-huh. they
1: just they're itching to get out yeah. and do something. Yeah,
0: that's a great word. uh So, 1963, Maplethorpe enrolled at Pratt Institute in nearby Brooklyn, where he studied drawing, painting, and sculpture. But he actually dropped out before he finished his degree. And at that time, so in like like the early 60s, photography again still not considered really an art. Uh, he took a photography course in college, and he absolutely hated it. did not even want to take it he thought it was just this lower art form Mm. and he would actually bring his father's negatives to class Mm. and submit that pretend that he took them Mm -hmm. them, and that was his work because he didn't even want to do the work Mm -hmm. he didn't even want to learn how to Mm -hmm. do photography he didn't Mm -hmm. want any part of it he was obsessed with um what hasn't been done yet Mm -hmm. right and imagine think about if your dad's doing this who's totally square right right? (laughs) you can't relate to him i don't want to do what my dad's doing
1: yeah and what kind of photos did his father take like of of the family
0: growing up it could be or na- there were a lot of nature shots okay. there were yeah, okay, yeah, because I mean Ansel Adams came before maple right, um, right, but that seemed old to him mm-hmm. right this a is what dusty. this isn't current this mm-hmm. isn't what you know mm-hmm. current hip people are doing mm-hmm. so he really again totally obsessed with what has been done before, so he was desperate to figure out something new and that's what I really love about the story too is you, you're going to really see the process and how he ended up where he mm. was. And that fascinates mm-hmm. me about artists. is mm-hmm. How did you get to the point where you made this that no one else had made before? Yeah. How did you get there? Right. Um, right. What led you down that path? That's really fascinating to me. Uh, so at, during college, he purchased a monkey named Scratch. Again, trying to be different, trying to stand <laughs> out. So he's got this monkey. And one of the roommates was That's like, good. this thing was like disgusting. Yeah. It's like throwing poop at us. Like it was <laughs> really gross. He'd walk around with it like on his oh, shoulder, yeah. always
1: uh, trying to look like he's not following all the rules. Right, I'm different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the monkey That's died, good. and he ended up cutting off its head, oh God, right? Boiling down the skull and oh. submitting that as an art project. Oh, interesting.
1: I feel like that may have made its way to you know popular lore uh-huh. when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He submitted it. Just the skull.
0: Boiled down, you know, just the bones of the skull. Yeah. 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 So so um, now we get to the point where he meets Patti Smith.
1: Fun.
0: And so they actually meet by chance in Brooklyn 1967. She had moved there from southern New Jersey, and they instantly fell in tune with each other and became their biggest mutual fans. And Maplethorpe would actually say, no one sees as we do Patty, mm. about them. And their mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. So Smith Patty Smith said that when she came to New York City, I was twenty years old. Plan A was to be an artist. Plan B, if I wasn't really good enough, was to be an artist mistress. <laughs> She's, to go, Patty! Right. So she goes, this horrified my parents. That I had this as a goal. I mean, this was actual. She would say, hey, I'm going to do one of these two things. But she said, I dreamed of having some kind of relationship like Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Okay. And I think understanding this about her helps you to understand what happens later. Okay. Okay. So she just saw this. And again, one of my earlier episodes is about Frida Kahlo mm-hmm. and Diego Rivera oh, okay. and this, you know, intense relationship. But I don't know a lot of people maybe who would, if, when you really know the relationship, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like it's smothering. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says, I just thought it would be the most wonderful thing. So in the summer of love, I came to New York. I didn't have money. I didn't have a job. But one wonderful thing happened to me. I met Robert Mapplethorpe, who also had no money no job, and not even a real place to live. So 1967, 1972, he lived with Patty Smith. In 69, they moved into the Chelsea Hotel, Hotel Chelsea. Okay. And um, years ago, I read this biography. I read a lot of biographies of Maplethorpe. I kind of do this thing mm. where I'll pick like one person And I will just kind of read everything I can about them. So I did that years ago about Maplethorpe. Mm. I read every all these biographies, different perspectives, and then I read Just Kids, that the autobiography that Patty Smith wrote about her relationship with Maplethorpe. I think 2010 that Ooh, came out. Cool. Really good. And it's interesting because when you read all these other books and then you read Patty's book, you're like, there's some Patty, there's something missing. Or there's some gaps, or there's stuff that you're kind of glossing over. And and at the time, I didn't really have a true understanding of why that would be or what was happening. I just kind of thought, I mean, what's the real story? What really happened? Um, but regardless, they both agreed that they were a really good pair, that they were really supportive of each other, and there was no jealousy, right? They encouraged artistic expression. They were so good for each other mm-hmm. artistically. Mm-hmm. Um, they really helped each other out, gained confidence in themselves as artists. That There's no doubt about that. Okay. When you see them... You see them together. Um, yeah, hold on. Let me show you this one. This one photo I have is um, of them together. And it's just them hanging out. Yeah, Isn't that just lovely,
1: great. right? Is it a self-portrait? Did
0: he take it? No, he did not take that. Mm-hmm. They didn't so, have that kind of a camera then. Okay. Yeah, So someone uh-huh. in the Chelsea took that. Mm-hmm. Just love that. It's Her. just like you can just see... Their connection—you can just—they're so comfortable with each other, right? Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So I just thought they that look was like, yeah, they do. They kind of look like brother and sister. They almost. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so a neat photo. I just love that. It just—it captures just a, a, such a cool moment in time for them. They're so young, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when when her book, Just Kids, it's like they were just kids, right? When yes. did you say he was born? He was born in. Um, 46. Oh, okay. So yeah, just, so just, just 2021. 20, yes. Yeah.
1: Good still. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, again, that fascinates me that here are these two people. They talk about, we don't know how we're going to eat. We don't know how we're going to, but we have to make art. We have to do this. Mm-hmm. We're not concerned mm-hmm. with practicality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a documentary I watched called uh, Mapplethorpe Look at the Pictures. All right. Fabulous documentary. Fabulous documentary. And in this documentary, he says, um, uh, he doesn't know how they how they survive financially. He has no idea. He says, "But you have to be willing to do anything it takes to get there." You know. I think. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they talk about what the, how much they made and how they survived and all that kind of stuff. But I want to talk a little bit about the Hotel Chelsea, the Chelsea Hotel, because uh, that fascinates me. In one of the um, earlier episodes, I was talking with my friend Jenny about Sid and Nancy,
1: uh-huh.
0: and their relationship, the, and the Nancy ended up dying at the at the Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit because it's such a cool landmark and building and there's so much history there. It's known for its residents, the people who live there. It yeah. was a 250-unit hotel located in the neighborhood of Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually designated a landmark in 1966, but it was originally conceived as a socialist utopian commune. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. the architect um, proposed cool. the construction, his name was Philip Hubert, of like a self-contained settlement that would meet every possible and professional need of its inhabitants. So he devised a plan to build cooperative apartments in New York City. The tenants would save money by sharing fuel and services. And um, Hubert's creations, it was New York's first co-ops, were tremendously successful. And none more so than the Chelsea. And that opened 1884. And yep. Hubert reserved apartments for the people who actually built the building. So they were electricians and construction workers. Oh, how cool. Interior designers and plumbers. Okay. And then he surrounded these people with writers and musicians and actors. So Mm -hmm. just a mix of people. Right. Everyone Mm -hmm. could help everybody in all different ways.
1: And what were the shared spaces? They had shared living spaces. They had shared
0: living spaces. And then the like the um, the top floor was artist studios. So they had like 15 artist studios. Uh, They have Hudson River School paintings like all over the place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Common dining rooms, hallways like ceilings were decorated with all these kind of natural motifs. Uh, It's Twelve stories, which I just did not picture it being that big. 250 and it's 12 stories, right? right? right. Um, But the Hubert's Grand Experiment, he went bankrupt in 1905, and then they converted it to a luxury hotel.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: So um, as of now, Chelsea no longer accepts new residents, new long-term residents. It's still home to many people who lived there before the change in policy, so the people who were grandfathered Mm -hmm. in. And it's closed for renovations. Mm-hmm. and it's supposed to reopen it said 2017 2018 2019 <laughs> and my friend johnny was saying oh i was there and it's like the scaffolding is the exact same like nothing so oh wow yeah she's like nothing's and if you go on the website it's like this weird random like one page like oh still ah, impressed like okay i don't know what's happening leonard cohen who actually who loved the hotel said this is one of those hotels that That have everything that I love so well about hotels. I love hotels to which at 4 a.m. you can bring along a midget, a bear, and four (laughs) ladies. Drag them to your room and no one cares at all about
1: it. Uh Cool. Right? great quote.
0: So been home to numerous writers, musicians, artists, actors. So some of the famous residents, Mark Twain, O. Henry, Dylan Thomas, Sam Shepard, Arthur Miller, Tennessee Williams, Jack Kerouac, Thomas Wolfe, Allen Ginsberg um actors and directors like stanley kubrick wow. uh, milos foreman ethan Hawke, dennis hopper eddie izzard i love eddie izzard where is he
1: uh, how come i don't know who eddie Izzard oh, is Oh my hand? gosh!
0: so he is a stand-up comedian mm. um and he is like he'll dress as a woman like he's not uh, what i guess he's not a transvestite but cross-dresser okay cross-dresser uh-huh. he is so funny and some of the best stand-up I've ever seen in my life So Eddie Izzard. But he was also in that. There's a series called The Riches, and he was in that. And they were like a group of gypsies living in America, and it mm. it was such a good series. It was oh my gosh, I love I love him.
1: But you haven't seen him around lately? No, I have
0: not. Mm-hmm. I have not. Yeah. Oh, I, he's so great. Um, Uma Thurman, Jane Fonda, Russell Brand. And then some other musicians, The Grateful Dead, Tom Waits, Patty Smith, Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, Cher, Edith Pf. Yeah. Super. Over fun. the years,
1: yeah. How long do the residents live there? I mean, so
0: do- I think it dep- depends. I mean, it's varied. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. varied. Um, some would come for a few months, some would cut co- you know, just kind of people were in and out. Actually, and Madonna lived there and she went back in ninety two and that remember that book that she made called Sex? She photographed that book in in the chelsea
1: Ah.
0: Um, leonard cohen and janice Joplin were famous for having an affair there in uh, the 60s may we and cohen wrote two songs called the chelsea hotel and chelsea hotel two um famous deaths so one of the best stories is uh dylan thomas was staying in room 205 and he became ill and died several days later in the hospital from pneumonia um so it was like 1953 but what he said before before he was he died he says i've had 18 straight whiskeys and i think that's the record <laughs> <laughs> that's like and he a died, like, wood. died a few days later oh and i mentioned nancy spun spongeon of Sid and nancy said the sex pistol she was found stabbed to death uh-huh. october 12th and if you wow. want information about that you gotta listen to that my episode about that because there's some there's some good stories so, Patty Smith also tells a story about being in the Chelsea, being in the lobby. She, she had just come from like this museum, American Indian Museum. She bought like this black stuffed crow. And Salvador Dali comes in, right? And he's got this black and scarlet cape. He comes strolling in and he puts a hand on her head and he says, You are like a crow, a gothic crow. <laughs> Meg she looks a bit like, a gothic right. I mean, I'm like, that's great. But I'm just thinking, I, I was listening to something today, and they said, if you could go back in time to any right. time period, any place, what would you? And I thought, there. I really thought, I want to go back to the Chelsea. And I was sit in the lobby uh-huh. <laughs> and just see what's going on. <laughs> or go from room to room and see what's happening.
1: No kidding. Right? No kidding. Well, I think there's something about being in the center of all that creativity yeah. that doesn't let you get bored obviously but um just keeps things obviously just super interesting
0: mm-hmm.
1: to have salvador Dali, you know who already has this reputation right. as you know as, well as he's as rubbing elbows with
0: someone with patty smith who at that point doesn't have two nickels to rub together mm-hmm. right so you've got mm-hmm. someone right. who's really successful right. and someone who's yeah, a good point. just starting out it's like this this there's it's um there's no classes Yes, yeah. right.
1: Yeah. When I said was at a hostel, I was pulling back, you know, the going through the Rolodex of my brain, but this idea of um communal living. Yeah. That you have the Salvador Dali and this young 20 yeah. 21-year-old Patty Smith. Right. Um interacting but but going to that artist's place with right. each other too.
0: You are like a black cross.
1: <laughs> Right. And you're oozing down, right. your, You know, which is oozing down your shoulder, right?
0: You do that. At the Ritz Carlton, they're, they're carting you out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you ever go? Did you stay at a hostel? Did you ever travel? You um,
1: some- oh, I, I did stay at a lot of hostels yeah. in Europe. Yeah, and you meet all sorts of people, right? Mm. Have you stayed at yeah, hostels? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, a bunch of people bunking in one room mm-hmm. and you sort of like have your backpack on your bed with you because, you know, in the 80s and the late 80s and, in Germany or whatever I right. was in Europe. I was like, Ooh. yeah, someone wants my dirty turtleneck.
0: I would pray someone with my backpack was so heavy that I would <laughs> so pray someone would steal it,
1: it right? so I didn't have to carry it. Because really, why did we carry backpacks? Because <laughs> we weren't changing, you know, what our oh, clothes so, so frequently. Yeah.
0: My back still hurts from that.
1: It's that, but I think um, for like in that case, like we were living and staying in hassles because it was a way to affordably travel through Europe.
0: Right. But do you remember um, like what your budget was when you were traveling through Europe? Did you have? I mean,
1: what, 10 bucks a day maybe? So
0: I know my budget for everything for food uh and for food, travel, and place to stay was $30 a day.
1: Yeah. Okay. For everything, for everything, I I don't remember, but I remember getting rooms for ten bucks a day. Yeah. yeah, um, and you know, you had your choice whether you wanted to sort of engage with the other guests or not. Mm-hmm. Remember when they yeah. serve you? I mean, the you'd time, all sit
0: in the kitchen. You could eat together in the kitchen, but yeah, yeah you could do your own thing. Um, I always loved that it was like, "Hey, let's all go out," and then it's like, if I don't like these people, I don't ever have to go out with them again. Or we're like, "Where are you going to next?" Okay, we'll go. We're going to Paris. Let's go. Right. I love that part of it too. Yeah,
1: I mean that. I was thinking of that too. That there's this choice you have if you're hitting it off with someone, you can continue on with them. Um, I remember the crazy Australians, like, who drank a lot and sang loud songs. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, you were like, whoa, you guys are really fun. <laughs> but I think we, we got to go this way and you're going that way. Yeah. Yeah. There is a sort of um, – you need to let your guard down quite a bit when you live in community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think going back to the Chelsea Hotel, like, right. you need to be open. You need to bring a sense of openness. Yeah. And I've always found myself, well, I might be super, like, sort of m- – maybe people think I'm outgoing on the on the outside – I think it would be hard for myself mm-hmm. to live long term in a communal place. Right. Um, I don't know how
0: you feel. I about I I totally and- agree. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty uptight about things. I and I'm not saying that you're uptight. I'm just saying for me, there's things that it's like I don't want to deal with people who are bugging me. Like, well, and I don't let things just roll off my back. And be like, oh, whatever. I'm not the whatever kind of person. Again, why I'm fascinated by these artists who are kind of like that in some ways, right? Um, so I, I think I would have a hard time. It depends, you know, my, it's funny because I remember coming back after that trip and having a lot of anxiety. It just felt like doing things in the city and going. And my sister said to me, pretend you're in Europe. And I was like, why was I so able to do all this? I hitchhiked. I spent the night in parks. I did stuff that my mom better not listen to this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That I would never do in a million years here and why why Why? so it's like it's almost like you're like you're open for anything you're ready Mm -hmm. to experience anything Mm -hmm. you're um you're so vulnerable and I think that's super important is to make yourself vulnerable for everybody in this world that you know what it's like to be the other person that you know what it's like to be other that you're not always the dominant comfortable
1: I'm in charge
0: and that gives you a different perspective about yourself and humanity. I think that's important, but why would I, why would it be harder for me to be that here? I don't know.
1: Right. that's a really interesting question. Yeah. But um, I wanted to say the word vulnerable like two minutes ago, because going back to the Chelsea hotel and living with other um, artists among other artists, you are um, putting yourself into this position of vulnerability To hang with a well-known artist like Salvador Dali. I mean, I don't know if they're hanging together, Patti Smith and Salvador Dali, but they're sharing the space. And I do think it takes, like, to share the space in a communal situation Uh like that, a certain intellectual and emotional vulnerability. I think for it to be successful, it absolutely does. And what is it about – I don't know. To answer your question – it's fascinating that you could be vulnerable in a new context but when you came back to your known world.
0: Right. It was almost like I I could be whoever I wanted there but I had to be who I was before here. Mhm. You know.
1: And so. you place those expectations on right on your behavior. Absolutely. Probably. Maybe you had some outside
0: forces. Yeah, that'll be episode 12 when it's therapy mm-hmm. the therapy session. <laughs>
1: But I think of, of little Patty Smith. Yeah. Who knew Salvador Dali? Everyone, oh, of right. course, was familiar about yeah.
0: his work. I love that. There's the, you know, the art institute has that one, um, the Venus de Milo with drawers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that at Art Institute? I just I, he's so funny. I've tried so hard to find, if anyone can find for me a really good biography of salvador dolly mm-hmm. please let me know mm-hmm. i've searched high and low for a really good biography mm-hmm. of salvador dolly i cannot find it he is elusive
1: right yeah and and people have various interpretations of yeah. his work yeah yeah no one can quite get
0: into the head of him right it would i yeah it would be interesting i would love to i would love to find like i said i've searched i've never been mm-hmm. able to find a good one so if you find one let me know back to patty So Patty talks about why she wrote her book, Just Kids, and she says that, I wanted to remind people we were once young and struggling. Both of us were awkward and still finding out who we were in every way. People have written about us in that period, but never with the accurate voice, the accurate atmosphere, the accurate magic. She also had made a promise to him, to Maplethorpe, that she would write a book about him. And actually, he made a lot of people promise him that. Before mm-hmm. he died, he was like, mm-hmm. "You have to write about me. You have to tell mm-hmm. people my story." Mm-hmm. Um, so she took that to se- seriously. Yeah, mm-hmm. she. So she talks about they. They made sixty five dollars. They had to pay sixty five dollars a week for rent. That was exactly what she was earning. She worked at a bookstore, and he would do odd jobs, you know, to kind of make make money. And a lot of artists who lived there were able to trade their art for rent, mm-hmm. but they were not. <laughs> Just she's like, we were really offended uh-huh. by that. She's like, wow. She's like, they didn't, they didn't want anything they were doing.
1: Another really
0: interesting yeah. lesson. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so during this time, they're both experimenting. They're trying to find their way as an artist. And she, so this, this is super cool. So she's talking about, so art, um, Robert was doing these really delicate drawings. Um, and she said they kind of reflected his experiments with LSD. And she said, I thought they were beautiful. I was so attached to them. But it was very bad to get attached to things that Robert did because he was like Picasso. You would get attached to this type of drawing and you'd come home one day and he would be doing something else, Mm -hmm. all religious pictures, Mm -hmm. cutting out holy cards, reinventing them, working them into collages and montages, making boxes for them. And I fell in love with them. But then one day I came home and he had taken this book on Todd Browning's movie Freaks and was cutting out the freaks and he would create game boards. It was a whole new avenue. Sometimes it would be that quick. I'd leave in the morning and he was dancing with saints and I'd come home at night. He was dancing with freaks. Oh, cool. So they talk a lot about these boxes that he would make. You know, think about like the, the di I always think the dioramas that oh. your kids have to do for school, right? You get the shoebox. Uh-huh, right. You're like making like Play-Doh or whatever to put in there. Yeah. A little scene. Yeah. And so he was kind of doing that. So he was using these religious cards and then he kind of went to this freak. But all of those things were sort of kind of taboo and sort of forbidden there was something about them that was um i guess taboo is the word they were sort of you don't mess um, with this or this is not um right a
1: little like dissolute or dis um disrespectful mm-hmm. like the cutting of a, a mass card right what, what cards were they like so they just like holy cards holy so saints and so which you should that
0: cut, is as a cat, roman catholic boy right, right. You're rip it, it shows this.
1: a lack of respect cutting that physical card. Uh-huh. And then what was his process? Would he like decoupage it on to something? So, yeah,
0: all kinds of stuff. So just like create these little scenes in these boxes. And what uh, year was this like? So this was like in the, they're still at the Chelsea. So it's maybe in like maybe 70, you right. know, so early.
1: So I'm thinking like Jasper Johns and, and some of the, um, he's the artist, uh, late forties, fifties who did the flag. So, and he did en- encaustic oh, work. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he started, yeah. okay.
1: so, so Maplethorpe was, had, had people who had come before him who were doing, um, I don't know, a similar type of thing. Right. Like for instance, John's took a board and then he cut out fragments of headlines okay. of um, newspaper articles all across the United States. Right. And then he sort of um, put the wax, froze them in wax. Okay. That's inca- the encaustic method. And then painted the American flag on top of okay. it. Okay. And in ways to say like the truth lies, you know, deeper than the stars and the stripes. Okay. Oh. So so, Mapplethorpe had people coming before him who were doing interesting um, work that was not just painting. Right. Right. Oil right. painting. Right, or, right, right.
0: But mixed media okay. work if you will. Yeah. Pushing boundaries and limits. And, yeah. Okay.
1: That, that we trying to, that were who, and they were commenting on um, society. Right. Right. So he's sitting in the Chelsea hotel all day, cutting up. Yeah. Mass cards. Yeah. But also I hear you saying he had sort of like this very fleeting. Um,
0: yeah. Affair with. And each like, of the- he's like we said earlier, he was so obsessed with doing something new that when he would do something, he's like, okay, I've done that. Now what am I going to do? You know what uh-huh. I mean? It was like, okay, I did it. Yeah. You know, so there's that sort of sense to it too. Whereas, um, that you know, that he would get almost move on. Like I did this, I'm going to move on, and and that that's not it yet. I'm not uh-huh. there yet. Uh-huh. Um, so then he said, so he started. He would do these again, these mixed media collages, uh-huh. different stuff, images from books, and magazines, and then he started using like gay porn. And sort of that same thing. Here's the forbidden. Here's our things Mm -hmm. that we're not supposed to Mm -hmm. be, you know, showing Mm -hmm. or portraying. And he saw something forbidden in these magazines. They're behind the counter. They're wrapped up. You can't see them. And he described it. It's like, I had a feeling in my stomach. And he said it was not sexual. It was Mm -hmm. not a sexual feeling. But it was something like, I just had this feeling that... There's something that's attracting me to these images that's not sexual, but mm-hmm. there's something about it because it's forbidden, it's hidden, it's that I want to bring this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started making his own photos when he realized I'm cutting out images from magazines. Uh-huh. This isn't what I really want. This isn't the expression that I want. Or, and then he's like, and I'm taking someone else's stuff, like I'm stealing someone else's images. So he's uh-huh. like, I got, uh-huh. I can't, I need to do my own thing to get exactly what I want. Um, so we got a polaroid camera so 1970 there's an artist and filmmaker sandy daly she was she was the one i don't know if you've ever seen images of chelsea and she's in the white room it's like this all white room uh-huh. i think they did i don't know if andy warhol did something right. in that room okay mm-hmm. yeah so sandy daly got him this polaroid and so he started producing his own photographs to incorporate into these collages he said it, i felt it was more honest but again he did not want to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, we go back to that. My dad was this. It's I didn't want to even take a resisting. photography class. I have no training in this at all. And it was interesting, too. You know, we mentioned about the Chelsea and this sort of um, camaraderie. But people would be like, hey, maplethorpe has got this Polaroid. Sandy got in this Polaroid. He's really good at it. Let's give him two bucks so he can buy some film." Mm -hmm. So people would do that for each other and help each other out, you know, Hey, he needs to buy a roll of film. People would give, you know, they're supporting each other in this environment, which is really, I thought that was really interesting as well. Like, Hey, he's doing something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's help this guy. Awesome. Yeah. So um, after the Chelsea, so 1970, and he meets this guy. They call him Pigman. He was kind of a mess. And um, he was walking his dog outside the Chelsea, and Maplethorpe started talking to him. And he offered to rent part of his loft, which was just a few doors down from the hotel, as a studio. Mm. So they could use the studio. So, but soon after, uh, Pigman died. Mm. And so they ended up, Maplethorpe and Smith ended up renting the whole place for like $240 a month. And moved out of the and Chelsea. moved out of the Chelsea. Yeah. So she recalled that she and Mapplethorpe worked for days to clean and paint the place. It was so disgusting. No one wanted to live there. It was so creepy because he had died there. Mm. And she had the whole place smelled and had dog poop in it. It was really gross. Um, so this loft now really starts to represent their both of theirs artistic flowering. Oh. They've got their own space. Now they can kind of do their own studio. Before, mm. they're in this tiny room, both trying to create something together. Um, and... Now they have rooms of their own in this loft and so they can kind of do their own stuff, you know, on their own okay. terms. And um, and the, so what I love about this is you think about this loft space, like basically this loft sets the course for works that would respectively influence music and photography for generations. So what Patty no ends up doing, what he ends mm-hmm. up doing, mm-hmm. su- such a huge influence on so many in areas. In space. Yeah. So Maplethorpe really liked the Polaroids. He liked taking those photos. Um, and there are some Polaroids. You can actually see Polaroids of him and his mixed media works. but And they didn't have to be developed. Right. right. You take it, it's done. Yeah. You don't have it to have instant. any expertise. Um, don't have to have a dark room. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. he didn't have that. But what he would do is he would really study photos. So he would go to stalls. There would be stalls. Um... Like around the city, you know, like with books out front or photographs and stuff, and he would just kind of flip through them and find examples. He found actually found some really valuable photos, and but he would study the composition, mm-hmm. the lighting, mm-hmm. um, and really try to you know self teach how like how to set up a good photo,
1: saturation,
0: right? He's like, so was this, this is the it.
1: like obviously he became the photographer, right? But, um, you know, had you, you described how Patty would leave in the morning and he be... Yeah working with saints and she'd right. come home and he'd be yeah. working with
0: freaks, but he, he was not fleeting so much at this right. point. He now was, he's really okay, focusing. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to this rant. Someone, him kind of progressing through these collages, mm-hmm. getting to this pornography, realizing this isn't, this is someone else's stuff mm-hmm. and trying to develop some, his own thing. And I just, I love to see that progression of how that, you know, came about. Um, so now this is around the time he and Patty end up breaking up. And um, Smith describes Maplethorpe as sweet and tender and was driven to make it as an artist as Smith was. And she also talks about her pain and his pain at making peace with his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and she confesses her heartbreak at losing him to something that at first she did mm-hmm. not comprehend. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were lovers. They were together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like he all of a sudden started sleeping with men. He had been throughout, but she didn't know.
1: Mm-hmm. And she
0: says, I really knew nothing of the reality of homosexuality. She mm-hmm. really didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of go back to this idea that she wanted to be an artist or she wanted to be Frida and Diego. Mm-hmm. And here's her Diego, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then she realizes, he can't it's, be not, my Diego. it's not my Diego. Yeah. And I think that was devastating for her. Mm-hmm. They were so close. Mm-hmm. They'd been through so much together. They were you know, kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. And I can just see now how devastating that must have been
1: absolutely I, I just saw Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, and um, oh yeah I didn't he wasn't about rela- that a heterosexual uh-huh. relationship with a woman named Mary who right. I'm sure was a formative person uh-huh. in his life but it's that was a time when homosexuals hid their their sexuality right but she must have been just floored at it yeah by that because. Even Patty Smith probably didn't know yeah too many people who identified as homosexual. Right,
0: right. Even though there were certainly plenty. It's certainly, you're not thinking your boyfriend is. Right. <laughs> you know? No kidding. Right?
1: And you have such a connection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really heartbreaking. Yes.
0: So, um, so did she
1: move out of their loft? Right.
0: So what happened, so she started to develop her own career. She collaborated and had a affair with Sam Shepard. Mm-hmm. <gasps> what a great way what a great rebound <laughs> not a bad choice. that's not a bad choice um and maplethorpe he was making connections among artists who were at Maxis, kansas city they always talk about you uh-huh. know the, the in crowd hang out there you know warhol cool. and all those guys yes and actually smith had started performing her poetry at sam Shepard's suggestion and she would add music to it so she it, uh-huh. was not a singer at this uh-huh. point up right. until this she was she was wrote poetry And would perform it. So Sam Shepard said, put music behind it. And so the first show that she did with this music was at St. Mark's Church on the Bowery in 1971. And they called that the birth of punk rock.
1: How about it? Yeah.
0: She was the godmother of punk rock. Wow.
1: In a church basement. In
0: this random church basement, but again, how this all comes together, right? That's not what she was, She didn't go to New York City. Like, I'm going to be a singer, right? No. How no. this develops. Sam Shepard sees his potential. Says you should sit. You should have music behind it. She starts to sing some of this. It's just. It's a cool development.
1: To jump back a little bit. Um, yes. What do you think she got from the Maplethorpe relationship besides um, this? ability this to be the in the role of the muse and and his support but do do you know anything about like how her art changed or developed um how her co- confidence
0: or anything i feel like too it, it, they were constantly sharing what they were doing here's what uh, i'm working on uh, here's what so i'm doing here's just it was just this constant back and forth kind of like a sounding board mm-hmm. and here's someone who understood her who loved her mm-hmm. who Again, they, there's no jealousy. There's no like, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing something better than I am. Mm-hmm. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there was a lot of drama in their relationship. It seems like they really did get along very well, mm-hmm. Um, that it was a healthy relationship. And not like some of these artists where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. get out of there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, was she
1: drawing and painting? i when don't remember i don't
0: remember from the book as much i think it was more of her right i think she was more of a writer okay. she might have done some drawing but i really feel like it was she was more writing but i'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent sure it makes sense if she went into poetry All Right. what's your favorite patty smith song do you have a favorite can you think of any can you think of any songs <laughs> <laughs> because, the night, right? because right? the night right that's yeah it was bruce Springsteen does that right
1: yeah, I mean, she—I use the word badass because she just owns her songs, yeah. right? Um, and she's got the range, uh-huh. and and she looked cool. Yeah, I wish I could think of songs. Nancy. Yeah, that's I can't. Like,
0: that's the only one I can I think that was of. Good, I, I could pull out my phone. Right. Well, my friend Jenny too. I keep mentioning Jenny, but it's like we should have a you know a um, a recap or like a get get together where you come back and you go, okay, mm. here's what I learned since mm-hmm. you and I talked, and then you mm. can tell me. That's great. Meg will ever come back to my basement. <laughs> this is so cool. So um, so around that time, so I think it's around 19, in the early 70s, so maybe sev- between 70 and 72, she meets Alan Lanier. He's the keyboardist for Blue Oyster Cult. Okay. Can't think of a song by Blue o- mm-hmm. Oyster Cult, but I know that. But band. we grew up with that stuff. We did. Mm-hmm. We totally did. And then he finds a new lover in this wealthy Paid to this art collector um sam wagstaff who ends up being a really big part of his life
1: he's sort of an upper east side kind of guy i yeah mm-hmm. i'm okay. not sure what his what kind of, from. do you know what kind of art sam wagstaff was so, collecting well
0: that's that i'm glad you asked mag mm. uh, but first i want to say so the ex-lovers mm. they remain best friends Maplethorpe. Mm. he shot that picture do you remember her album horses i'm going to show mm. that to you hold on I've got that pulled up because awesome. you're totally gonna recognize it.
1: I'm sure my big sister Catherine had it next to. Uh, he shot that, so he. I mean, he yeah. So he took that picture. Her album cover,
0: horses. Yes. Love that, um, and then she she released three more records. So that was 1975, and then she ends up marrying musician Fred Smith, and they awesome. moved to Michigan. Oh. and she has two kids. So, like in the '80s, she kind of leaves New York. She goes to Michigan. Where'd
1: she live in Michigan? I was close to her.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Shoot. where exactly. But um, I and that's kind of the part where I'm like, okay, we're best friends, but you kind of go, uh huh. You leave. You go to Michigan. Well,
1: who'd you end up marrying, Nancy? Excuse me.
0: Uh, his name was Fred Smith. He was a musician. I'm okay. not sure who he was with. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah. All right. So then. She goes to Michigan, but not forever.
0: Not forever. He ends up dying, actually, pretty young. Her Mm -hmm. husband ends up dying pretty Mm -hmm. young. She's pretty devastated by that. But this book, what's interesting, again, so I'm reading Just Kids. It's all this detail, all this detail, all this detail. And it's like, oh, and then I went to Michigan. And it's like, well, like, she's not talking to him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, so, again, I feel like, what happened? Like, what? And some of these other books were not very complimentary about her. And that she kind of ditched him. And she kind of, and I thought, Hello, if you're if you've got two kids and a husband and your best friend is Robert Mapplethorpe and he's mm-hmm. like at, you know, these sex dungeons mm-hmm. every you're mm-hmm. not going to have mm-hmm. a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, you're not uh, overlap in your life. So right. what's happening and right. that happens. Right. Um, and so I thought that was kind of unfair for her. But then I thought, I think, too, there was a betrayal, you know. Yeah. Um. And so you're not going to have the same relationship you had before.
1: Yeah. I mean, once lovers, right? Mm-hmm. So can you successfully remove that mm-hmm. aspect of your relationship and still say as close yeah. as you were?
0: And you do know you have friendships with people that you hardly talk to, but you have a special place for them. You mm-hmm. have, you know, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. If you called them mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. you would have it. You have that connection that that can't be taken away. Right. But where you're at in your life, we're, you're just not at the same place that you can be talking every day
1: yeah i mean the reality of life gets yeah. in the way she had two kids i didn't realize that and yeah that she lived in michigan that seems so pedestrian for right Pally's doesn't smile. it
0: yeah and she had to be traveling working on her music she had to be touring uh-huh. and all that stuff uh-huh. so but i feel like at some point she kind of was became more of a homebody in her career
1: i can identify like I said. <laughs> she's living in her little house in michigan <laughs> I know.
0: there was a, a meme the other day that said uh People who say "go bigger or go home" seriously underestimate Going my home. desire to go home. <laughs> <No kidding. laughs> Just give me my two kids. Right? Really? Okay. See ya. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> right. Um,
1: How old was Penny Smith when she was living in Michigan with her two kids? Do you know? I mean, this was she was still thirty or oh young, gosh, right?
0: I don't. So what was he? He was forty-six. And she's younger than he was, so yeah, she could have been you know thirties around that time. Yeah. Our age, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no fact checking. <laughs> the prime uh, of life. <laughs> so seventy-two, he meets really this art curator, Sam Wagstaff, mm-hmm. and he would basically become his mentor, his protector, lifetime companion. Mm-hmm. But basically, what Maplethorpe did was he, Sam was very wealthy and had a lot of influence, and he Maplethorpe convinced Sam to use his authority mm-hmm. and money to convince reluctant connoisseurs and buyers that photography was a legitimate art. So he had him use everything he had. He he actually like taught him all about different kinds of photography. Wagstaff did. Uh, Robert taught Wagstaff. Okay. Oh. Like so gave him kind of a schooling Wagstaff about, as here's, as here's what you Maltese can say to people. Here's the influencer. background. Yeah. So that he could then sell photographs as art. So,
1: an interruption. Yeah. Was um, Maplethorpe ever criticized for this as a sellout, as an artistic sellout to use the the wealth and, and the influence? To
0: no, he actually would admit that. So um, he says, I would not have stayed with Sam if he didn't have that money. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Sam knew that too. Did he they says. have a romantic relationship? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. But they, he saw other people for sure. Mm-hmm. But he says, I would not have stayed with them if he didn't have the money. And Sam knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, they were together for really almost up until he died. Um, so people said he was totally devoted to Robert, absolutely devoted to him. Uh, and they also believe Robert would not have had the career he had without Sam, which right. they, they both agree and admit to. That
1: I guess a wealthy benefactor is nothing new for no, an artist. I don't um,
0: think so. I think that's, that's old school. That, right? right. It's, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so he eventually bought him... A loft on Bond Street, and at the time it was a super rough neighborhood. I say. Still not. There was no restaurants, no mm-hmm. grocery stores for miles, um, but it was the center of the art world. There was a ton of people around there who had these artist lofts. And now, how much do you think a penthouse would be on Bond Street? Twenty five million. Nineteen. Mm-hmm. Very good guess. Yeah. Nineteen million. I know. If we'd only known Meg. I know,
1: <laughs> right? Not that long ago, we were alive. We were alive. <laughs> we were like, We
0: were spending our money at quarter beers. Shoot. (laughs) On Rush Street. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So then uh, in the 80s, Sam Waxoff bought this top floor loft on um, 35 West 23rd Street for Robert, where he lived and used it as a photo shoot studio. So the Bond Street became like his dark room. And then this um, West 23rd Street place was um, where he lived and would take his photos. Okay. Uh, In 1973... The Light Gallery in New York City mounted his first solo gallery exhibition called Polaroids. And then two years after that, so it's 73, so two years after that, he acquired his first Hasselblad, which is a camera. And I have a picture of that because I was like, what? Mm. I don't even know what that is. But it's kind of this old timey looking.
1: It's interesting to me how
0: um, cameras,
1: hardware, in particular cameras, I'm sure musicians talk about this too, um, anyway, the features of particular cameras allow photographers to. Was this a box camera? Kind of, yeah, he put looks this like a... at his chest looks like. And... It looks like it, yes. Yeah.
0: So you look at the top part of that, doesn't it kind of look like you'd have it?
1: Like, I'm wondering if.
0: If you're if you looking behind this... it or you're looking on top of it, right?
1: Yeah, it's hard is this to tell. Top
0: here. Yeah. Cool.
1: Is that a lens up there? That's what I'm saying. I don't but know if you look down big through lens. it. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking of Vivian Mayer. Yes. You know. uh, that's
0: what I kind of pictured, too. So you're thinking this is, and that's about the time she was. Mm-hmm. And this is a box. Yeah. I wonder
1: if this um, Hasselbad is a box camera. Okay, Because what it allowed Vivian Mayer to do is is capture people as they really were. Mm-hmm. And they weren't posing because they weren't aware of the implement okay. of the camera between right. the photographer and the subject. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And so that's he, his second show was. So them. the first one is Polar, the, the Polaroids, right? and then right after that, he gets the, two years after that he gets this, this camera, this Hasselblad, and um, he starts. That's when he starts shooting his friends, um, acquaintances, artists, musicians, film stars, um, members of the S and M underground. So now he's starting to take pictures of his, you know, more, more and more people with this camera.
1: And were these pictures um, portraits or were yes. they? So they were posed portraits.
0: Yeah. Look at Isabella Rossellini. Oh wow. Right? Yeah.
1: I mean he just has that
0: look, um Donald oh, Sutherland. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, it's
1: it, it's interesting because he's not he Maplethorpe in my mind didn't um is not known for those beautiful portraits. Mm-hmm. Right. But instead for his erotic uh huh portrait yeah or photography yeah there's um an exhibit at the art institute right now i was just driving to work uh uh-huh. and saw rembrandt portraits mm-hmm. and i thought i want to go see that mm-hmm. because it is a well-done portrait by an artist mm-hmm. right and i actually thought like so when people pose for portraits do they try to elicit a certain uh truth about okay them when they're posing right and then I thought to myself that it's up to the artist to find that truth, what the artist wants to portray about yeah. its subject.
0: Ultimately, I think so.
1: But, you know, Maplethorpe's these portraits, I mean, the, both of these, you know, Donald Sutherland has an eyebrow arched, uh-huh. yeah. really raised.
0: Yeah, I really encourage, if you have a chance to go and look at his celebrity portraits, because I think there's some amazing ones really really amazing
1: ones well have you seen them yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. they're just beautiful um so also so at this time too he's also being influenced by this really popular porn star peter berlin Mm -hmm. and peter would do these really elaborate photos of himself these you know naked pictures for pornography but he this is his style and what he was doing really captivated Maplethorpe. He's like, oh, this is interesting. This is something mm-hmm. I'm interested in. Um, and he eventually posed for Robert. And also at this time, Robert then applies to be a photographer for Drummer Magazine, which is like a gay porn magazine. And he was also working for Interview Magazine. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, kind of the start of this, the, the, the photos you're probably more familiar with. So late 70s, he's increasingly interested in documenting the New York S&M scene. Mm-hmm. And um, the resulting photographs are shocking for their content and remarkable for their technical and formal mastery. He says, I don't like the word shocking. I'm looking for the unexpected. I'm looking for things I've never seen before. I was in a position to take those pictures. I felt an obligation to do them. And at this point, his career just starts to flourish.
1: Did he have a personal or, or
0: political
1: uh, um real, you know reason Ooh, for his obligation? I, yeah. We'll talk about that.
0: So another you know, we go back to the idea that he could not process his film. Part of taking pictures and as an I mean, artist he didn't
1: have the technical um, Yeah, things.
0: have you ever had to develop film? I have. It's I've taken really hard. Right? You, I was very bad at it. <laughs> To get what you want to make the picture look the way you want.
1: Yes, it is. You look for one black tone. You've uh-huh. to have black and you have to have a white tone. Right. But getting that. So he was not able so to
0: do that. So he would have to hire people to do that.
1: Right. So no one taught him. He didn't nope. gain that skill nope. or that
0: expertise. But he knew exactly what he wanted. Like we said, studying those old photos, looking at composition, look at that. He knew exactly what he wanted, how, the, how white this should be, how mm-hmm. black this should mm-hmm. be. He, he knew exactly what he wanted, but he would just tell other people.
1: No, take it back down to the dark uh-huh, come back.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that he kind of left that part up to other people. Okay. So in 1980 when after Patty left New York, they really fell out of touch. And again I mentioned that in the book that they kind of talked about that and at, up until then he had planned to do this book with Patty. He had this, this idea that he would do this book this photo um, photography book and she'd become all these different characters and he would, you know, dress her up as different characters because He felt she had such a range that she'd be able to do that, but that didn't happen because she was, you know, kind of gone MIA. So he met, um, this Lisa Lyon, that bodybuilder, you see that picture of that bodybuilder Mm -hmm. in there? Mm -hmm. And he was fascinated by her form Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. she was the first women's bodybuilding champion in 1980. This was not common. Women were not supposed to look like this. And he was fascinated by how she was able to transform her body. Yeah. And so he, um, over the next several years, they collaborated on a series of portraits and um, studies, a film and a book Mm. with her in it and her taking on these different roles, you know, different, becoming different characters, which he had planned to do with Patty, but he did it with her instead. He just found that bodybuilding. He found that shocking, which, again, he doesn't really like that word, but he found it very unique and just he was fascinated by that. He said it's almost like this new animal. It's like something we haven't, we haven't seen before. Interesting. So one of the things, too, about Robert was that he really knew. He knew you had to work hard for your art and your success. And you had to establish your work. You had to be in the right gallery. You had to have your work be collected. And you had to have it talked about. And you had to go out and be present. He knew that. This is in the 80s where names are kind of starting to be like a brand. Mm. And he got that. He knew that. Mm -hmm. He's like, people have to know your name. And there's there's a process you need to go through to make this happen. And he was very aware of marketing himself and his brand. He wanted it to be a success.
1: Was do you know anything about it, whether he continued to be accepted by the? I don't know. Anarchistic artistic community of of Lower Manhattan. Um, I mean, sort of the Chelsea Hotel. I'm not saying they were all sort of not rule followers, but. Um, it's my sense that there was a value of not paying into the system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: doing art for art's
0: sake, yeah. but not And I don't know if it was so out. much if he was selling. I don't think mm-hmm. he was selling out. I think, if anything, they admired that he was able to sell what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's okay. something about right. here's this yeah. subculture. Here's this rawness that you're you're not saying, what do these people want? I'm going to give it to them. You're saying, I'm going to tell them what they want. I'm going to create this, and I'm going to tell them they want this. Yeah,
1: pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. I love his point that to be
0: successful, people need to be talking about you. Yeah. Uh, so '80s. So Maplethorpe. Um he had a lot of images that would cha- that would actually challenge and kind of adhere to classical aesthetic standards we mentioned male and female nudes with flowers of course like the orchids and calla lilies very sexual right. um, sort of statues who e- even photograph statues and we mentioned some of the the people the famous people um the Isabella Rossellini is just gorgeous. The mm. Donald Sutherland, but he did Andy Warhol, Deborah mm-hmm. Harry, Richard Gere, Pierre Gabriel, Grace Jones, Philip Glass, mm-hmm. Cindy Sherman, and Annie mm-hmm. Leibowitz. Mm-hmm. Um, so he
1: took portraits of Cindy Sherman and Andy Le- yes. Annie Leibowitz? Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And that's another thing, too, is they interview Andy Leibowitz in this. And she said, "No one thought photography would be considered as popu- become as popular as it did." She was. He didn't know that. I didn't know that. Right. And Annie Leibovitz, who's you know one of the great photographers, absolutely. And Cindy Obviously. Sherman too. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: Cindy Sherman, I know her as a photographer. Um, she didn't do the up close. Did she do the? That's Chuck Close who did that. Was really um, massively scaled.
0: Yeah, I don't think thing. Cindy is mostly where she kind of it's herself in different, uh, almost different costumes or becoming different personas, okay. right? Okay, interesting. There's a few there. at the Art Institute, mm-hmm. really good ones. There's mm-hmm. one where she's ca- sort of a close-up and she's kind of turned. It's almost like she's in like a schoolgirl uniform. She's on the floor and she's sort of turned away. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. really, it's a cool one that's been at the Art Institute. I don't know if it's there permanently. Right, but, they
1: um, well.
0: Yeah, so I really, I love those. So they were all working together yeah, and
1: not knowing that not having any idea that what they were doing
0: was going to be ever considered Mm -hmm. art or you know you know this is later on in his career so we're talking 80s so now it's getting to be like okay this is this is making money Mm -hmm. this is successful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. here's this photographer that everyone's talking who everyone's talking about i want him to to photograph me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so in addition to his work, so he would have his own work, his own artistic pieces, but he would also do commissions. And so for this, he would charge $10,000 for a sitting. And then he would choose the two photos you would get.
1: Wow. You would
0: not get to see.
1: Wow.
0: And so when you're talking about the portrait painters, mm-hmm. I thought about that where it's like, he, he's totally controlling what is out there, right? Yeah. It's not like, you know, the school picture, where like, pick your two favorite poses. <laughs> Good one. What where do I look the best? Yeah. He's like, what do I want to put out there? I'm controlling what I'm putting out there.
1: Yes. For his reputation or Yeah,
0: for sure, don't you think?
1: Maybe for his artistic um what he may have viewed as his artistic integrity. Mm-hmm. Like this is how I see this yes, person. This is what I intended. She asked me to to photograph her. Right.
0: Because think about it. If you take a thousand pictures. A lot of them are, are crap. A lot of them are oh, I don't like that. Or, that's not very good, and you don't want that out. You don't want that because that's representational of you, and you don't you know representative of you, and you don't want that to to be out there. Right. So. But um, but you think for ten thousand dollars you'd get your you pick. You get to pick.
1: <laughs> but it, there's this interesting thing to me that we if we're getting our portraits taken, we try to it, it inherently. I mean, naturally, we would we would try to give a sense of what we want Uh to convey just in in the way that we're looking right whatever that is right we you're you're posing so you you have to show something but it's the artist here has all the power
0: not all not 100 Mm -hmm.
1: of it because he's still taking a a portrait Mm -hmm. of the subject but it is a an interesting twist of power turn of power to put it all in Maplethorpe's hand right. I wonder how many he took and he chose the two for 10,000 yeah it's sort of like the, the subject saying how do you see me how do you see me and right. if you think about it we all have our own like self concept or self identity but we're interpreted by other people mm-hmm. not always the way that we think we
0: are uh-huh. being interpreted right. so his what he thinks is the best portrait of you may not be mm-hmm. what you think is the best portrait mm-hmm. of you but you'll never know because you'll never get to see the rest of them mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. So he had a very high reputation at this point if uh-huh. he's able
0: to command that kind of yeah, money and that grand. kind of power. Yeah. So he described his photography as like making sculpture and um, photographing black men was like photographing bronze. Yeah. And at one point he started photographing only black males mm-hmm. and he was almost obsessed with them. And so you mentioned about like sort of like political, social mm-hmm. you know, stance and people actually accused him of exploiting them. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm photographing who and what I love to be around. He said, I'm photographing them as a form the same way I would a flower. I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm not to make, trying to make a social statement about their plight.
1: Right. I do. I was thinking of form, the um, even the erotic form, like that he does capture so beautifully in his images that I haven't thought about. I haven't thought about Robert Mapplethorpe uh-huh. in a while or viewed his work. But when i think back i think of like striking images of, uh, but that that are f- the focus on form i know that's sort right. sort of like um tautological obviously i'm saying the yeah. obvious right but when i saw the the image of the bodybuilder it's her, the form of her body and i now remembering the black bronze like shiny yes. muscles in the right. the contours of the arm or the leg or the other part body parts torso and he did hone in on form, mm-hmm. the form of the human
0: body. And again, you someone could look at that and go, oh, my gosh, there's a woman in a bikini.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're missing mm-hmm. the whole point. Mm-hmm. If that's what you look at and that's what you see, you're missing the whole mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, oh, that, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, she in a bikini. I was looking at her muscle tone. I was looking at the lighting. I was mm-hmm. looking at, you know. The shape of The shape, of this. and not everyone's going to do that. Not everyone's going to react to that. I read a great article about talking about that. And they said, you know, just as his photos of penises were frightening to people, Mm -hmm. so were the photos of black men. Mm -hmm. That was frightening to people. So he was upping the anxiety for the white liberal patrons and saying if people reacted negatively, he would literally say to them, if you don't like my pictures, perhaps you're not as avant-garde as you think. Oh, see, this is all
1: really in that interesting, New York right? So he's cultural. like, I'm not
0: trying to be, I'm not trying to, you know, comment on race or society, mm-hmm. but he, but he was, and he was like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're so liberal, you're so open minded, but this shocks you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not as open minded as you thought you were.
1: Is that the word he used? Avant garde. Avant garde. Mm-hmm. Of course, like historically, um, larger scaled. Paintings were reserved for grand events or important people. Mm-hmm. You know, like to commemorate a, 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 an event that was well known, like a battle scene, right? right? Or or Christ coming down from the cross. Okay. So the larger scaled works, like over the past two thousand years in the Renaissance era, and um, and and more recently, were reserved for um, important people but to to we'd never seen a photograph of a black body right um as luminous like yes. luminous as right. as maplethorpe with the shadows and i'm just imagining yeah. what i remember those images to be um but to put it up on a wall and to um put a frame around it mm-hmm. And to put it in a gallery is valorizing the form and and the person, I yeah. think, in some ways. And right. the way that large scale paintings valorize right. um the subject matter. I don't
0: see it as exploitive. Yes. I don't see it as that.
1: At what point did he start taking the erotic photos of the penis? So et those cetera? have been that
0: the whole time he's been doing uh-huh. this. And was yes. he
1: um pu- putting those in the galleries? Yes. At the same time he was
0: showing the Yes the bodies yeah and what about the so then these black males these mm-hmm. were like you know toward closer to the end of his career um was when he started to do the blackmail mm-hmm. he kind of became mm-hmm. obsessed like i said with mm-hmm. this the beauty the form like these are like bronze you know statues uh there was one model in particular milton moore he was a model for Maplethorpe and Maple Thorpe fell madly in love with them, And he just thought he had the absolute perfect body; every bit of him was perfect, mm-hmm. perfect shape, perfect size, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Just loved him. And Milton actually would allow himself to be photographed nude, but only if he didn't show his face. Mm. So he's like, "You can take mm-hmm. pictures, and if you're going to show my face, I, I, you're not. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to show mm-hmm. you know bits." Um, so, but one of his famous paintings, which actually you might remember, is uh, "Man in Polyester Suit." Oh, and it's literally. The torso of a man in this polyester, you know, mm-hmm. bad polyester suit. Mm-hmm. And the flies open and there's this giant penis. Like,
1: Wait, this is Milton? The This is
0: Milton. This uh... is... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they they actually did this at a, there was a show, there was like a collection and it was part of his blackmail show. And this, um, all, he had 25 photos and they all sold. This one was $2,500 for this photo.
1: In the 80s
0: yeah and it got a terrible review because people said it was probably sold to someone who just wanted to look at it and jerk off mm. again that's what you're saying that you're seeing penis 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 it's like you're not looking at mm-hmm. the form of it and i it's funny because, as I was watching this documentary you, you, you're literally like the you know the people who are taking care of these photos they've got the white gloves on they're going through the archives and they're like oh notice the lighting mm. here and i was like oh yeah i'm like okay that's a penis like i you know i was like i wasn't uh-huh. even like uh-huh. thinking about that i was noticing the lighting and the shape and the colors and the and it's like you almost become desensitized to this and you're you are it's not just a sexual thing and if you're only seeing a sexual thing i think you're missing out on what, what his intentions were right. um that photo so the man in the polyester suit sold um it's one of the top 10 most recognizable photos mm-hmm. in photo history, and it recently sold for $390,000.
1: I'm surprised just that much. Uh-huh. The iconic oil paintings mm-hmm. from the 50s are selling for $54 million. Right. So yeah. the Man in the polyester suit, $390,000. Mm-hmm. Seems low. Yeah, It does seem low. Um, Back to the... I, I You do have to wonder why... Close-ups of, penis. Okay, right. He's a a homosexual male, mm-hmm. so he found beauty in that mm-hmm.
0: that object. But to see, you don't necessarily have to be a homosexual male to find beauty in that. No, right.
1: Um, I guess the I critics. Think I think a lot of <laughs> I <think laughs> just men in general find beauty in that, <laughs> and women do too. Um, but why? why the erotica? And so I think we kind of
0: go back to you know when you think about his the um the path that kind of led to this right so you start with you start with these mask cards or these um saint cards and then you go to the freaks and then you go to this pornography and then you go well i'm going to take my own pictures okay i'm again ultimately his goal was to i'm going to do something no one else has done mm-hmm. i'm going to photograph something if this is going to be my art now i'm going to try to do things no one else has done and then as he's kind of falling down that rabbit hole he's like no one's done these SM photos mm-hmm. other than like a dirty magazine you know this is something i'm making this art i'm presenting this in a way that no one else has done no one else has seen so that you're that it's not just sex it's not just oh here's something that's bad or dirty here's looking at something for you to look at it in a way that Forcing you to look at something that maybe you wouldn't, you'd be afraid to, Mm -hmm. makes you uncomfortable, makes Mm -hmm. you anxious, uh, and makes you think about your own issues with the body and sexuality. Mm -hmm. You -hmm. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I just, you know, that just happened to be the path that he took, that he he was drawn down.
1: Whether he was attracted to the form alone or who knows really where he was in terms of his um, political motivations for his art. Right. Yeah. Given the sort of contradictory research that you uncovered, right, you right. know, you then you must not be very avant-garde. But I think obviously photographs capture a moment in time, and they are for all to see. Obviously, when we're when we are able to see, you know, a close-up of a penis, in some ways we be, make it less taboo Uh i mean it does make it less taboo
0: yeah and you do become they would talk about like his helpers who worked with him they're like oh yeah go let's go grab the fisting file or let's go grab Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. they're like we were so desensitized and they interviewed them in this document we were so desensitized to seeing this stuff that it was just like it was not a big deal to us anymore it was not something it was not shocking it was not Mm -hmm. we just looked at it all the time i'm not saying that I, I like shocking things or I like that kind of stuff or, I, or you should be able to look at this and be okay with it. That's not what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, because there are things I'm like, I don't really want to see that. Mm-hmm. I don't really, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like that, oh, I'm so open and, and healthy and mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. that I can look mm-hmm. at all this. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, pro- I'm fascinated by the process. I'm fascinated by someone doing something in a way that no one else has done before and what, and what that led to and what the, the conversations it led to um about what's what should be censored, what should be allowed, what should be what is government responsible for, you know, funding that kind of stuff. So right. um but yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about things that like there's there's painters who I love their story, but I don't want it hanging on my wall. Sure. Sure.
1: And Maplethorpe never went for government funding. I mean he didn't have any NEA funding behind him.
0: He had Sam Wag. right but his his exhibits would would have been funded so mm-hmm. like when they were he had a traveling exhibit so that's towards okay. end of his life so we'll talk okay. about what happened oh, okay yeah with that so um in 1984 his brother edward worked with him at his studio so he was one of the people who would develop the photos he okay. worked in that part uh, and he was asked to show his work so edward was also mm-hmm. a photographer mm-hmm. and he was asked to show his work with other artists and and this like the invitation or the advertisement they listed the authors alphabetically so Edward came before Robert, mm-hmm. and Robert was livid, mm. furious. And he said to him, if you think you're going to ride in my coattails, I work so hard to get where I am. Mm. Someone could just see the name Maplethorpe and think it's me when it's actually you. Mm. And he was really mad. He said, you mm. have to change your name. Mm. He made his brother mm-hmm. change his name. Mm-hmm. So he changed it to Edward Maxey. Mm. So you see the side of this person who's who's driven who's Mm -hmm. successful who you know there's reasons for that but then you see this kind of dark Mm -hmm. side where like this Mm -hmm. is your own brother Mm -hmm. who's been helping you and you know and actually it's like he worked his brother begged him for a job and Mm -hmm. he's like i don't even want to hire you Mm -hmm. like didn't even want to hire him to begin Mm -hmm. with so he's like he's so you know he i have to change my name they interviewed his brother in this too so it's it's just it's right from his mouth it's not like Mm -hmm. someone saying this which is very interesting And finally, when his brother's like, I'm ready to go off on my own, I'm ready to, I want to, you know, move on, Robert was furious that he wanted to leave his studio. Mm. So he's like, you didn't want me to work with you in the first place. You made me change my name. Now that I'm leaving, you don't want me to leave? So he said it was really, it was one of the hardest days of his life, he said, you know, the day that he asked me to change my name. But what I realized was he had learned to rely on me and that he needed me, Mm. but he couldn't say it. He would later, his brother would come back later towards the end of Robert's life to help him. Um, when he was sick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so his le- his lifestyle really is a big part of the story about him. Mm-hmm. Sexual activity is legendary. Mm-hmm. He would go to sex clubs in the afternoon, pick up a guy, mm-hmm. have sex. He would then go back at night, pick up a guy, have sex, then go back again late night. Just, you know, mm-hmm. constant, mm-hmm. constant, constant. Very high risk lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were the days before AIDS, before mm-hmm. people knew that mm-hmm. AIDS was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was it was a different time. One of his boyfriends, Jack Fritzer, uh, he was the editor for Drummer magazine, that that mm-hmm. um, pornographic gay men's pornographic magazine. Um, described him in such a cool way because I was trying to I'm like trying to get people to talk about like his personality, like what was he like, what would he be like to hang out with or to talk mm-hmm. to. And He said he described him as having tuxedo elegance and leather attitude. Ooh, I like the contrast. I do too. I thought you know you could see, and then it's like, so how does this guy kind of fit into? The Isabella Rossellini, the uh, Donald Sutherland crowd, right. but yet he's in these S yeah. and M dungeons, and so I just thought, oh,
1: that's a really neat description. It's beautiful. I mean, there's tactile, you know. I don't know. Yes, yeah. um, I think that all of us, not all of us, so many people have desire, um,
0: sort of that leather badass. Mm-hmm. What was it? Leather? What tuxedo elegance. And leather attitude, attitude,
1: yeah. So whether you, whatever you're lacking, right? Mm-hmm. We sort of desire either one if we feel like we don't have that, right? T- leather attitude, right? And so Isabella Rossellini, though she was probably, um, she was her, her in her own right. Mm-hmm. She worked her, you know, so hard. Yeah, she must have had some leather attitude in yeah. her, but she certainly has the look of tuxedo elegance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for Mapplethorpe to have
0: both, it Mm -hmm. allowed him to, I can see that. Right. And I think having, you know, that older patron, that Sam Wagstaff, who's sort of guiding him, you know, through this, through this and introducing him to these wealthy patrons, these wealth. So he's got the connections. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he has to learn, how do I behave in this? He's Mm -hmm. not just like, F you, everybody. I'm Mm -hmm. taking a picture Mm -hmm. of a penis. It's like, no, he's, he's pretty intelligent we know we graduated from high school when I was 16 there's an intelligence there that's figuring out how to manipulate this system how to manipulate these people and you know again training Sam and here's the history of photography here's what you need to tell people you need to create this create this um mystique mystique aura. about photos yeah about photography and that it is a great art form and so there you know there's this um to just again to dismiss someone just as oh he's just you know this gay sex fiend who's taking these, you know, ru- you know, crude pictures. It's like that. Just, it just it it limits who he is, and you don't get the three dimensions of of Robert Mapplethorpe. So, 1987, January 1987, Sam Wagstaff died of AIDS. Yeah. Oh. Um. Did I skip that? Oh, wait, no. Before that, I should talk about September 86. He uh, Maplethorpe's hospitalized. Yeah. Um, for pneumonia and diagnosed with AIDS. So 86, yeah. he's diagnosed. So that's September '86, and then in January, Sam dies. Sam dies. Um, so despite his illness, he starts to accelerate his creative efforts, broadening the scope of photographic inquiry, accepting increasingly challenging commissions. And then when people found out he had AIDS and he was dying, his popularity increased like crazy, mm. and he couldn't he was so busy. He wanted to make as much money as possible. But he was super bothered by the fact that he would not get to live to enjoy it or spend it. Really? Yeah. I think I would have been too. Yeah. He's like, Mm -hmm. but he was still like, I gotta get, I gotta make more money. I gotta make more money, and and he didn't want to leave it to anybody. He didn't want to give it to his family. No, I wouldn't leave it to any person. So he came up with the idea to start this foundation. Um, 1988, he set up a foundation to support AIDS research and fine art photography. Um, so, the Whitney Museum of American Art, they mounted his first major American museum retrospective 1988. He was 41, and it was about a year before his death. And so, this was a rare honor for a photographer to have a mid career retrospective. Right. People said it was very sad. It was like, you know, he's uh, there at the Whitney, New York, yeah. right? Whitney's in New York? Yes. Okay. He is there, and they're like, it was like a memorial I'm to a living thin. corpse. You know, oh, he's, he's not so doing well, mm-hmm. super thin. Mm-hmm. And they show, they have pictures of him there, and it's like, it's a retrospective, and you're He's still alive. Oh, mm-hmm. right? Just very sad, very mm-hmm. sad. Um, and just to mm. be there for that, it's like you're at your own wake. Mm. Yeah. So his final show, Maplethorpe decided to show his latest series that he explored shortly before his death, and it was titled Maplethorpe: The Perfect Moment. And the show featured photographs from his X, Y, and Z portfolio. So... Each of those portfolios had like a different focus. Um, one of them was uh, like BDSM. There was a, a picture of um, the urophagia where people drink urine. So there's a picture mm. that's in there. Mm. There was a really famous portrait of him with the bullwhip mm-hmm. inserted into his anus. That mm-hmm. was part of mm-hmm. this retrospective or this, um, this series. So it was curated by Janet Cardin of the Institute of Contemporary Art in Philadelphia, okay. ICA. And it was um, a touring exhibit, so it would start in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and then it was it was to travel around. He couldn't make it; he was too sick to travel at this point. But it was to open at ICA, and then other museums were going to take this tour. So that's where the government funding comes in, mm-hmm. right? Because they get money from the government to, mm-hmm. to support this. Um, his brother Edward, who had really devoted himself to him,
1: oh, he he, he did. came back, yeah.
0: and he was basically a caretaker. I mean, basically like cleaning him, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. take you know, getting him in and out of the bed and, um, really desperately said, I wanted to have a conversation with him. I just wanted him to have a meaningful conversation with me and just say he was proud of me. Um, or, you know, keep going or some kind of inspiration or just to, to thank me or anything. And he said, it never happened. He never acknowledged anything I did or gave me any any conversation I felt would have, you know, mm-hmm. kind of been end of life mm. conversation that I needed for. Um, so March 9th, 1989, Maplethorpe dies at age 42. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the summer of 89, so after he passes away, the traveling, the solo exhibit gets national attention and issues of public funding for the arts, as well as questions of censorship and the obscene. Mm-hmm. So the Corcoran Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. had agreed to host the museums for the tour. And the ICA, they got a grant from the National Endowment for the mm-hmm. Arts to support this this exhibit at the Corcoran Gallery. So to bring it to Washington, D.C., they get this endowment mm-hmm. uh, or this money from the National Endowment for the Arts. So the cancellation of the show, which terminated the Corcoran's contract with the ICA, was due to the fact that the museum did not want to get involved in the politics. So the museum's bringing this and they're like, there's all this, you know, uproar about, wait a second, we're who's funding this exhibit coming here and so the the, the museum the corcoran was like you know what we, we don't want it we don't want to get involved in this public debate um it started the in philadelphia so it was it didn't seem to be much of an uproar in philadelphia it was uh, when it the, came to dc that people that, were like this, why are we mm-hmm. you know politicians were hearing about mm-hmm. this um so this is when this the Corcoran then's pulled into the controversy. So this is debate in the media and in Congress surrounding NEA's funding of projects mm-hmm. perceived by individuals to be inappropriate. So the hierarchy, of the Corcoran and members of Congress were upset when the works were revealed to them. They're like, "Wait a second, what? What are we doing? It was homoerotic, sadomasochistic. They did not like the work." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, much of the work. Throughout his career, had been publicly displayed in publicly funded exhibitions, um, but conservative and religious organizations such as the American Family Association seized on this exhibition to vocally oppose government support for what they called nothing more than sensational presentation of potentially obscene material. Okay. Right. So he this a lot of this stuff had been seen before. It's again, this is not like oh the first time this is going up, but now it's sort of the first time where we're seeing um, it on a larger scale. And people are recognizing that, wait, this is, you know, public money is Mm -hmm. going to support this. Mm -hmm. So the Corcoran refused, this exhibition refused to house it. And then this nonprofit Washington project for the arts actually ended up showing it mm. in Washington mm-hmm. to very large crowds mm. <laughs> it was packed. So that was like July, August, 1989. And um, in 1990, the contemporary arts center in Cincinnati and its director, Dennis Berry were charged with obscenity, but they were found not guilty by a jury. So they're, then they're charging these other museums. Like that, if you had these,
1: oh, paint, wow. th- these
0: photos up, you're, we charging with obscenity. They got, they were, found not guilty um and then the ICA according to the ICA the Corcoran's decision sparked a controversial national debate should tax dollars support the arts who decides what's obscene mm -hmm. or offensive in public exhibitions and if art can be considered a form of free free speech is it a violation of the first amendment to revoke federal funding on grounds of obscenity Mm -hmm. to this day these questions remain very much at issue um but Someone was saying, Yeah, these these are very much at issue today. But they said this is a different free speech debate because of the fact that he was a marginalized gay man facing off against the US government. Mm. It's not just, oh, free speech. It's like this was they didn't like who he was. Mm-hmm. What's
1: interesting to me about that story, well, the one thing that struck me early on is nothing really remarkable of a comment except that you said that the congress didn't like Maplethorpe's art mm-hmm. and I thought well you you don't have to like art to fund it like yeah. it might not be your style yeah so I I know that they more than didn't like it mm-hmm. but they they thought it was obscene but I mean just look at that like so should we determine what art is funded
0: based on the funders whether they like it or not exactly there's a letter that the university of chicago i believe sent to their freshmen like mm. we are not going to provide a safe space for you mm. we are not going to we are not going to buffer you from mm-hmm. controversial speech we're not going to exclude speakers who want to come we are going to expose you to things that might make you uncomfortable we mm-hmm. are going to expose mm-hmm. you to someone else's ideas who are different from your own that is our job mm-hmm. And I thought, that's so great to go, you know, there was a a time period where there were so many people like, I'm upset by this guy's message and I don't want him coming to my campus. It's like, right, you don't have to like what he says, but we can't just say, I don't like this, but I like that, you know, you start to pick and choose, it's a slippery slope.
1: Right, and we're never going to move, make any progress if we only listen to people who agree with us. Right, right. Because the reality is that there are people who who are going to have messages that we don't like. Right. Like, well, we don't like that art, but that we don't agree with. But right. um, you don't get anywhere if you just listen to people who are just like you. Right. Or who are telling you the same thing that you, you say. Um, and I think that through uncomfortable situations, people certainly become more tolerant and more accepting mm-hmm. eventually um and and stronger and better mm-hmm. for it. But I certainly and you're not even asking me this, but to no. censor art. I mean, I know you're not even putting me into this to what do, what, do you think we should censor Meg, well, art? What should we do? <laughs> but figure it out. We just can, it's an expression of the artist photography and people may even had an issue with photography which is different because the the photo is a, um, an image of something that exists in the world right
0: but how different is is that than an oil painting of right. something that exists yeah. in the world and too if you go back and look at paintings that were banned or even like books that were banned right oh we banned this because we can't hear this word or well, why why can't we hear that word? Right. Why shouldn't we know how horrible people were? Shouldn't we know yes. people spoke like this and thought it was okay? Isn't that important? Um so when you kinda of look back and you're know, like something that was banned before that it's accepted now, that should be that should be a wake up call that look at the mistake we made. Mm-hmm. By doing that, look at how the mistake that we may be saying we shouldn't listen to this, we shouldn't hear this, and again, not that there aren't things that are that are dangerous. There is there mm-hmm. is speech that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. things that we have mm-hmm. to be careful mm-hmm. with, um, but I think when it gets down to just I don't like it, it's right. a different, you know,
1: right. I've always thought that in the classroom anything is open for discussion because it's a it should be as safe or. Because it's a classroom, yeah. Um, there are certain rules of behavior, accepted right. rules of behavior, and there's a a leader, a teacher who yeah. sort of takes responsibility for making sure that people, right, um, not to overuse well, you have social contract, right, yeah, that their civility is Absolutely, intact, diff- you know, yeah. that that people are respectful of other right. people's opinions, but right. but hold on to their own as well, yeah. And so I don't think any censorship should take place at all mm-hmm. um, in the classroom. Or in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, so Maplethorpe, like in, I think, so I was just getting out of college when he died, or I was a okay. junior in college, actually. Um, and I, he was so, my, his reputation mm-hmm. was really um, obs- obscenity. Yeah. And controversy. Right, right. But like to your amazing point that um, the, of that person's comment, was it because our world couldn't handle um, the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. and and homosexuals no longer being able to live underneath sort
0: of the carpet
1: or the cover of their homosexuality?
0: But I think, to, you know, that gets to the point of why does this make you uncomfortable?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And you need to understand that. Does it make you uncomfortable because you're like, I don't really want to see that picture. Or does it make you uncomfortable because you're like, I have a problem with someone being gay. Or does it make you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. why, what's, what makes you, you can walk through an art museum and go, yeah, I don't really like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I'm not going to say take that down. I don't like it. But I want to understand why don't I like it? What is it about it? So it's it's going beyond just, it's, and that's what I really feel like. What so much of what he did, de- what he did was especially those the messages to the people. Maybe you're not as open minded or as mm-hmm. avant garde as you mm-hmm. think you are. Mm-hmm. And again, there's something to be said for exposing yourself to things that might make you a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That might make you, you know, think think about something in a way you hadn't before. You don't have to like it. You don't have to, you know. But if all you can say is I don't like it, then you're not really you're not really doing your job, and you're not really. Um, you know doing the hard work Mm-mm. right absolutely years ago I went to um, I don't know if I've talked to this before the uh, Frida Ka- not Frida Kahlo the George O'Keefe Museum in Santa Fe okay cool. and there was you know I had the headset on I'm listening to this, mm-hmm. the, the stories of everything because I feel bad. like again I would walk past 20 things and not right. know what they were and there was one painting that I believe it was some kind of like a piece of fruit and I thought uh, eh, mm-hmm. not my favorite mm-hmm and the headset it said that was her favorite painting that she ever did. And I thought, what that? Mm-hmm. Not, you know, the petunias mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the skulls, this- but because in her mind that was the only painting that ever turned out the way she saw it in her head and on mm-hmm. the canvas. It was the only painting what she what ever she did. Was valuing. I mean, yeah. And I thought, well, that's a great story. Again, I'm not hanging that in my house. But I mm-hmm. I appreciate it more now mm-hmm. that I know the background, mm-hmm. um, and so I feel like the same thing with these. I'm not hanging these up. This is not. I don't want a book of Maplethorpe's work in my house. But I appreciate what what was happening and his process and what what came out of.
1: And to, to O'Keefe's, you know, her value was. I want to be able to see whatever I have in my head. Yeah. I'd love to be able to do that on yeah. canvas, and it sounds like from what I generally know and what you said about Maplethorpe's mm-hmm. goals was he wants to do something that hasn't been mm-hmm. done before yeah which again is how we make progress mm-hmm. in the world we can't recycle ideas right or we're not going to go anywhere I mean we can't solve climate change but um, we can't solve our problem of co- climate change without really just blowing out the sides of it right mm-hmm. and 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 coming up with completely new
0: yep. paradigm
1: for the way that we're gonna live well there's no climate change you <laughs> that's right did right you, i don't
0: know what you're <laughs> listening to <laughs> It's <a blimp. laughs>
1: um but but maplethorpe i think is m- more often I, I shouldn't speak in general terms that i don't know but
0: why is it <laughs> say that whatever you want
1: we remember maplethorpe is is only obscene and erotic, and that right. is a person who pushed the boundaries mm-hmm. of art yeah. and photography. Yeah. We certainly aren't gonna be able to continue to make progress if we don't talk about Maplethorpe right. or look at his
0: work. Right. He became like this cause celeb for both sides of the American Culture War, and he was so famous then, or infamous, depending on how you think of him, that the prices for her his photography Photographs doubled and even tripled. Yeah, how about that? So, um
1: Touche, um, Strom Thurman, or whoever
0: the <laughs> Nevada <laughs> sort of old. White old man. Yeah, I saw a great T-shirt that said, "I'm so tired of hearing from old white men." I just <laughs> loved it. Sorry if I'm offending old white some old white man, but I just <laughs> some mansplaining, right? So I they one article I read said that he had over 120,000 pictures left that, that that he had taken just over the prolific. course of his career, which is really great. Um and I'd mentioned before about the these these photos and how, yeah, you can't if you're looking at it and again I'm looking and looking and looking at my I'm getting desensitized to, to what I'm seeing, but I'm also not I'm not seeing a sexual nature in, in a lot of these um and if you're just shown this one, it's shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than the the oeuvre, right? The mm-hmm. whole the whole mm-hmm. work, the whole everything he was trying to accomplish. So but I guess what I what I take away from him is that he really changed how people viewed photography. Mm -hmm. Um, He made it a collectible art form. And prior to that, no one could really imagine what his photographs would be worth. They said in, in 98, his estate was estimated to be um, $228 million.
1: Wow. Imagine what
0: it is now.
1: Wow. And this is all um, funding this foundation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This foundation.
1: And do you know what the foundation does? Does that fund aspiring artists? So part of or? it was
0: AIDS research and mm-hmm. artists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Photography specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what one last legacy. quote from him that I loved was, uh, my theory about creativity is that the more money one has, the more creative one can be. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's kind of
1: onto that realistic I know. artist. Right.
0: That, that, that's
1: funny. Right? Yeah. The more creative an artist can be, tell me that quote one more so time. The, in. Uh, my
0: theory about creativity is that the more money one has, mm, the, the more creative, creative one, one can, can be. be. <laughs> Nicely parallel, <laughs> yes. And it, again, it's you know, it's kind of contrary to um, you know, artists before that it was like you're expected to be a starving artist, but the, it was almost like there was something wrong with you if you like then made money you know there's something like well now you've lost it now you're You're, you're selling you're part of the establishment right yeah 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 yeah. so
1: but he had the um i i love that other quote the um tuxedo yeah um tuxedo it was leather leather attitude
0: yeah tuxedo something and leather attitude
1: tuxedo elegant and leather attitude that's when i Nancy. Now you're talking about From now on,
0: that's going to be like your Facebook, like your quote.
1: I can't even remember it, but that's what I'll be. (laughs) Tuxedo
0: attitude. Yes.
1: Oh, tuxedo elegance. Tuxedo
0: elegance and leather attitude. See,
1: I I think Isabella Rossellini may have had that tuxedo elegance,
0: leather attitude. I get much more tuxedo elegance from her. She's so great. What was that? She was in that movie with um, uh, Goldie Hawn. Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis. It was like Death Becomes Her. Was Mm, that the one where she mm. was like this lived forever Mm, and she mm. had like this magic potion and she was just, she's just so beautiful. But I get, you get the sense from her that she's got a great sense of humor. She's Mm -hmm. really funny. and Mm -hmm. Like I know her, like we're best friends. Yeah, She she could be a total
1: come. She can come to the studio in next week. Yeah, she can come,
0: we'll talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have her come. So she's listening. Just let her know. I'm available. (laughs) There is a new movie out right now called Mapplethorpe. Oh, cool it's um starring matt smith great. who played one of the doctor whos recently
1: ah it's
0: got kind of bad reviews it, um uh, so it's not a doc it's not a documentary but yeah it was at like the mm. one of those little theaters like mm. the gene siskel or something okay like, so uh but yeah that just came out recently so that you'll we'll have to catch that as well it'll be interesting great they said it wasn't as good as it could have been but really one more
1: thing fun yeah yeah um, I'm thinking that, of course, the world knew about the power of photography yeah. in the '70s and '80s, but Leibowitz but through Dorothea Lange and the yeah. other WPA um, photographers, of course, and the Vietnam photographers, right? But but Annie Leibowitz and, so and that, Robert Mayfield. Do you think that's more
0: like social change, social, social change, and, social change, and that is artistic. awareness?
1: But certainly yeah. well shot, and the compositions were. Mm-hmm. Often very striking,
0: mm-hmm. but you gotta.
1: Um, it's a relatively new art form, right? As an art form, uh-huh. um, I think talking about photography and and looking at photography is really fun. Mm-hmm. I I agree that that documentary about the Vivian Mayer is
0: fantastic. Yeah,
1: the part of the Vivian Mayor story that I am least attracted to, I actually listened to a podcast last week, okay. two weeks ago, about a woman who's becoming the expert in the Vivian Mayer controversy. Okay. She's, she's a, a this is a total tangent. She's a photography, I believe. Um, well, a photography professor at a big school like Madison or UW. So okay. something okay. like that. And she's become the expert on the controversy of what to do with Vivian Muir's work. Ovra, ovra, as you say. Um, and the podcast was all about that, and I was like, "Can we talk about what Vivian Meir's work mean, was all work? about?" Well, you know how it was um, purchased, yeah. By yeah, that guy. A guy. Yeah, what the yes. finding right. Vivian right. Mayer is really right, right, about. Right. Well, there's still some controversy over who owns it.
0: Oh yeah 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 yeah. Okay
1: okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And that's the least interesting aspect. Yeah, you're right. I believe. I mean the, the document had covered that. Okay. Finding Vivian Mirror, like the whole that story is certainly interesting. But now I'd rather talk about why is she or is her work canonical. Uh-huh. And you know, that conversation about whether or not her work belongs in the canon and why. Right. Is much more interesting to me. I agree. Than where yeah. I'm seeing the play that when it? people are still talking about Vivian Mayer, yeah, and how fabricated was the documentary, mm-hmm. and I was just personally really disappointed that I invested some time in this podcast in my <laughs> kitchen, um, not to be all meta about things here. Um, inception podcast, Inception. Who, yeah, when she was really talking only about that, sort yeah,
0: sorted. Yeah, it's disappointing. I know what you mean. Like you're like, oh, this is gonna be great, and then you're like, hmm. Yeah, it's not what I thought it was going to be. So hopefully, no one's saying that right now. Listening to me. Yes. No, <laughs> like, darn no it. One is, really. Um, but thank you for doing this, and thank you this for coming. This is a ton of fun. Oh my gosh, I, you know, again, I choose people who I know, who I know well, who I know we have great conversations, and um, and that I knew that this would be something, and I know it's nerve wracking. We're like, what are you going to ask me about? What are you going to talk about? Um, and so my hope is that you're not. I'm not trying to you know throw something at you and not at all but have you be so you know, stumped
1: sorry to interrupt you Nancy you know when um you said what do you think of Maplethorpe?" and then I said black and white of course but then yes. red why in my mind do I have this splotch of
0: red and I'm sure I'm not even right I mean I I don't know um well that see that's but, now Meg that's for our follow-up is now you've got to go You've got to find out Maybe why find that, and then you'll come back, and then There's you'll tell me. something
1: stuck. I will look into that. Okay. Or is it just my own, like, bias mm-hmm. against?
0: Not that, it, oh, and I'm not like against. a psychological, people. like, There's red some sort of, yeah, white man, Even though so they're right. Republican <laughs> J. congressman splotch.
1: <laughs> right. Like, where is it in my mind and in my memory? Right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because when um, you said red to him, like red, yeah. what? Okay. I mean right, he did, took photographs. Don't... But yeah. um anyway, yeah. It's really fun to think about a photographer I haven't thought of in a long yeah. time. And to have this discussion, it's like we're playing it's like we're playing, but we're not. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's at one part constructed. Right. Nancy and I are sitting across from each other with microphones. Yeah. In in studio and uh-huh. it's constructed. It's like set up, right? Right, right. But then you're able to have this authentic yeah. conversation. And that's what
0: I feel too. Like that's why I won't tell you what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. because I don't want you to come. Oh, I would prepare. have been much
1: more sort
0: of. Oh yeah, you would uh, have pulled guarded. out your and
1: I would have had my phone sitting on my lap.
0: would <laughs> 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 be like, Smith actually, songs? Nancy it was my 1982 that, right. that that happened.
1: <laughs> I remember that because I studied him very carefully. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I get, like I said, if anyone's using this for like fact, you know, like absolute facts, then you're in the wrong place. But, um, yeah. So thank you. So, and I wanted to mention too, if you want more drama and you can go to my website, which is com. We'll have links to a lot of the stuff that we've talked about here, like the documentary and other things that I used, um, and so even the books like that you mentioned, I'll, you know, try to link up to those as well. The Vivian Mayer, all that stuff. Oh, so I'll include fine. that. Um, and then if you want to email us, only if you've got something nice to say, it's so dramatic podcast one at com. And so I just thank you again, Meg. It was fabulous it's to have you totally here. Totally fun. Awesome. Thanks, Beach. And remember, it's okay to be so dramatic.